Breakdown. What's up, everybody? This is your Friday edition. We got a jam-packed interview-based podcast for you here. Appreciate uh, Jeff Safford for his work on the editing portion of this, and appreciate all of you for listening. Also, thanks to all of our uh, great sponsors and all of our great guests as well. I couldn't do it without any of you guys. This week's Big Sky Breakdown features a ton of different voices from around the Big Sky Conference. We'll get things started with Charlie Raggles, the head coach of the Idaho State Bengals. Uh, he joined us on Nuwana now earlier this week and uh, this is his first year in the Big Sky Conference just one game into his Big Sky Conference tenure Idaho State they host Montana on Saturday afternoon we're also going to hear from Idaho head coach Jason Eck the Vandals off to a 1-0 start this uh, year in Big Sky Conference play after a 27-10 win over Northern Arizona in Flagstaff Grant Duff, the defensive coordinator for the Weber State Wildcats, will join us. The uh, Wildcats coming off of a 17-12 win over UC Davis, uh, a good road win, and uh, now Weber on their bye this week, but Weber's been very good defensively, and that's been a key to their 4-0 start and their uh, reascension into the top 10 uh, of the FCS polls. Greg Woods, the beat writer for the Idaho State Journal covering Idaho State football. He'll join us as well. Andrew Houghton of Skyline Sports as well as ESPN Montana caught up with Greg earlier this week. We'll hear from Scott Marsh, the play-by-play voice of the UC Davis Aggies. Uh, He gives us some insight into UC Davis football. And then we'll hear from Ty Okada, one of our favorites, uh, the senior captain safety for the Montana State Bobcats, one of the best guys at diagnosing uh, the game of football. And we'll wrap this thing up with Robbie Houck. Robbie's a senior safety for the uh, Montana Grizzlies, the reigning Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Week. And last week, he became the all-time leading tackler in the history of Grizz football. Robbie's joined us before, but it's always fun having Robbie on the show. He's uh, so good at diagnosing what Montana's doing well defensively, explaining things, and uh, representing for the Grizz, which I know is a dream come true for him, uh, given all of his family ties uh, to the program. If we get... The interview landed on our doorstep. We'll also hear from Alonzo Gilliam, All-American running back from UC Davis. But either way, that'll be the one that's uh, spliced in at the very end. So we'll let you know uh, what's going on with that. But in the meantime, thanks to all of our great sponsors for their presentation of this Big Sky Breakdown and all things Skyline Sports. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth, congratulations on a personal level. Uh, to Nick and his wife, Jill, they just had their fourth child, welcomed the uh, little one into the world just a couple days ago. So it sounds like mom's healthy, baby's healthy, so congratulations to them. Any financial uh, advice you might need, give Nick and his team a call today. J&B Restaurant Supply, your home for everything tailgate. We also got to thank Town Pump. We are headed over to Bozeman this weekend for Montana State's matchup against UC Davis, and Town Pump will keep us fueled up. They'll keep us uh, gasoline in the car and uh, all the energy drinks and uh, snacks that we might need. And we also got to say thanks uh, to Blackfoot Communications for all their continued support of our podcast network here uh, at Skyline Sports. Here you go, uh, Idaho State head coach Charlie Raggle. We got a gem state flavor with Raggle and Eck. Get us started right here. Thanks so much for listening. A big sky breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports every day, every season. Well, time now for our Across the Sidelines, where we profile coaches that are taking on either Montana or Montana State. The University of Montana heads to Pocatello, Idaho on Saturday to take on Idaho State. We're joined now by first-year head coach at ISU, Charlie Raggle. Coach, thanks for being with us, man. First of all, to start with uh, this season overall and and just taking over this job, what has surprised you? What have been the challenges? And uh, what are you working on specifically? What are you looking at uh, at for Idaho State now coming into week two of Big Sky Conference play? Well, first of all, Coulter, thanks for having me. 
you know, I think when you, you talk about uh, anytime you're taking over a program that there's always going to be hidden challenges and uh, obstacles that you're, you know, that you have to overcome. And, you know, I think just historically, you know, this program has, has been one that struggled. And I think that when you uh, look at our roster, there's not a, uh, there's not a lot of players on the roster that have had success. And so uh, just understanding, you know, what it really takes to win and how you carry yourself as a winner. You know, you win, as, as we talk about all the time in the program, you win long before you – the byproduct of the actual win comes long before the actual win. You know, it's the, the ability to carry yourself, talk like a winner, work like a winner, think like a winner, live like a winner – uh, those are all an accumulation of things that you have to do in order to win. And we just haven't done enough of that historically here at, at ISU. And so it, it's something that we have to work on every single day. And it's a mentality and a mindset that, that we're trying to, uh, you know, force upon our players and not that they don't want to win, but as I told them, wanting to win, you know, everybody wants to win, but are, are you doing the things that it takes to win? You know, there's a big difference between the two and uh so we're just continuing to focus on that and uh and then as far as you know uh the season is, is gone so far we're, we're close you know it'd be uh it, you know I'd be lying to you if it didn't say we were we were frustrated at sitting at 0-4 and I didn't expect we'd be 0-4 at this particular point but uh you know it, it would be one thing if we were getting blown out in every game that we played in but we've been close except for UNLV and I know you know you look at the score at San Diego State but anybody that watched that game you know we took our starters out at the end of the the third quarter they were up 24-7 but we dropped a touchdown in the on the three you know from the three yard line and we had a touchdown overturned on on, on a call which was the right call but we could have very easily been 21-21 at the end of that third quarter so we played those guys extremely tough and I think if you watch the film they can see that and then uh we came home to Central Arkansas where we moved the ball up and down the field had a lot of sets couldn't convert in the red zone and uh ultimately that game got away from us and then you know last uh Saturday against Northern Colorado extremely close game and and you're talking probably probably four or five plays that we didn't make and they did. And, and that's why we said at 0-4. But uh, so the frustrating thing is that it's been close and we're right there, but we just haven't been able to knock the door down. The art of learning how to win. I mean, it's something that is so important in sports, oftentimes so elusive as well. You've won at, at level, different levels of football, though, throughout your life, whether it's at Chaparral High School there in Arizona or uh, in the Pac-12, most recently at Cal. Uh, so in your estimation, what is the cultivation process of that like? I mean, how do, you, how do you go about building? I know it is sort of elusive, and if we had an easy answer for this, everybody would be winning every weekend, but that's just not the case. So uh, how do you go about sort of instilling that? How do you go about sort of cultivating that amongst your team yeah i think it's a great question and you're right if i could bottle that up and sell it i'd be a very rich man and and trust me every day i'm trying to figure that out and if i ever do i'll I'll share the recipe with you um but uh you know i think in all seriousness i I think that the reality is, is like i said it it has to be in every facet of your life you know you have to you have to really understand that winning has to be something that you have to be consumed with and you know nobody you know nobody likes to lose but you have to want to win way way more and and it's you know it, it starts in the off season 
you know, and it's in every facet of our program. And then when it, it ultimately comes to, you know, winning on the playing field, as I told the players, they're the ones that hold the key because we're not the ones out there executing the plays on Saturday. And if we put you in a bad position and, and we get whooped because of that, I'll be the first guy to tell you that. But we've been in position and the kids know it. They see it on film. We just haven't been able to close that out. And I, I think, you know, you have to surround yourself with winners. You know, as a coach, you have to surround yourself with a staff that's winners. And as players, we have to surround our players. You know, I think it's important in recruiting a lot of times to try and find players that come from winning programs because they understand what the standard is. And, uh, you know, we're just in a in a, a position right now where we don't have that luxury yet, but uh, it's coming and, uh, and, and we will get it. It's just uh, it's not here right now. Well, one program that has won about as much as anybody in college football over the last 25 to 30 years is the University of Montana. And Bobby Houck himself, uh, a win percentage around 85%. I think he's up to 112 wins now uh, after their victory a, a, a week ago. Uh, so what do you think of just the, the juggernaut that's coming to Pocatello then on Saturday? And how do you sort of gauge the Grizz program? Is it sort of a measuring stick for you uh, since they have been consistently pretty darn good for a really long time? Well, the first thing we're going to do is try and flatten the tires when they, they land and get on the bus so that they can't get to the stadium. But uh, <laughs> uh, so they'll, they'll find a way here. But, you know, I've known Bobby for a long time. Uh, shoot, I, I was just telling these guys in here when I did an earlier interview. Um, you know, he signed one of my players when I was the head coach of Chaparral back in 2007. I actually met him in 2006 at the Insight.com Bowl. Uh, him and his brother were at the game, and they were actually sitting behind us. And uh, uh, we told we introduced ourselves. We got to talking and, and told them we had a player. They came by, followed up, and he, he ultimately ended up signing with uh, Montana and played there for a couple of years and, and had some decent success. You know, and it's funny, you know, because I, I had this conversation uh, with my uh, – and I have, I have a tremendous amount of respect for for the University of Montana. I played there as a, a 1995. I don't want to date myself, but uh, our, my beloved Eastern New Mexico Greyhounds came in and got a taste of the old Dave Dickinson era, and that didn't end well for the Greyhounds. But uh, uh, And that is just after they finished the, the first addition onto the stadium. Um, you know, when Bobby left Montana, and I said this to my AD the other day, um, and he went to UNLV, he did not have a tremendous amount of success. Bobby could tell you off the off, you know, why that was. But I, I have a very good idea, as I said to my athletic director, Bobby Houck's a great football coach. He didn't cross the Nevada state line and forget all of his football. You know, at the time they didn't have the resources, they didn't have the facilities, they were playing in a stadium off campus. There's things that you have to have in place to help you um be successful. Now you got to go coach it. You got to build the culture. You have to do the things as a coach, but when you have the infrastructure in place, it certainly helps you. And, and, you know, you have to have a catalyst for that. And he's been that uh, he's developed a, a, obviously a huge, uh, uh, hugely successful culture. And he's driven that thing to, you know, an elite level and, and he deserves all of the credit, but the university of Montana, the state of Montana for their buy-in and, and understanding the value of what a successful uh, football program brings to the state. All you can sit back as a person who, who has been successful, and, and, and you're right, I've won everywhere I've been. I know how to win. You certainly appreciate other winners, and the University of Montana and the state of Montana are certainly that. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, 
we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Charlie Regal joining us. He's the first-year head coach of the Idaho State Bengals, or they host at University of Montana on Saturday uh, in Pocatello. Uh, and coach, let's talk about this this specific game. First of all, I know that uh, you're down a couple quarterbacks there. Uh, so what do you think of Sage Groundhauer and, and what do you like about him? What, what gives you confidence in him? And uh, how, how big of a challenge is that when uh, you know you, you thought you had Tyler Vanderwall, who in my estimation, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and uh, now you're down to a, a third guy that hasn't played a lot of football. So uh, how do you go about making a game plan for a young guy uh, making his first start well first of all do you got any eligibility left well i'm a center coach so you definitely don't want me throwing the ball <laughs> well hey right now we're taking all comers no, <laughs> hey you know i still weigh about as much as i did back in the day so uh that that could uh, maybe help you a little bit but you don't want me throwing the ball anywhere i promise part of being successful is consistency man you got to be a model of consistency so i can certainly appreciate that you know in all seriousness sagan is, is, is an older guy and he's been around the program and he's played you know in several games here at isu so he's not a newcomer and he's not going to be intimidated intimidated that we're playing montana you know this kid is savvy uh and to be honest with you, I said from the very beginning when, when I got the job and assessed our quarterbacks that we had three really good quarterbacks. We're going to talk about the top two because those are the two guys that – and, you know, Tyler was the you know, ultimately the starter, but it was really a 1-1A one and one a because him and Hunter were battling it out through, through fall camp, and, and uh, we ultimately went with, with Tyler. He won the job, but it was by a, a whisker. And so, you know, when he went down, obviously terrible for him. Uh, but we thought, you know, hey, we're going to be just fine with Hunter. And, you know, uh, we've got a lot of confidence in Sagan. He can make all the throws. Uh, he's, he's a different type of quarterback. He's not going to be as, as active as, um, uh, you know, Hunter Hayes was. We're not going to run him like, like, you know, we did with Hunter. But he can make all the throws and, uh, you know, for him, it's just about making good decisions where to go with the football and protecting the football. And if the if the plays aren't there in terms of the passing game, throwing the ball away and not not you know uh, turning it into turnovers. Uh, but we have a lot of confidence in him, and uh, we're we're excited uh, you know for him on on Saturday. And the Montana defense, uh, it took me, I got to say, Coach, about 30 games worth of analyzing it to figure out what the hell they're actually even doing. Uh, it's a lot of chaos. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of movement. And uh, But really, when you really watch it and break it down, they're just trying to do the same thing, and that is go as hard as they possibly can, run to the football uh, with a lot of aggressiveness and, and really put a ton of pressure on the quarterback and everybody that might get the ball in the backfield. What's the formula, though? I mean, how do you go about uh, preparing for a defense like this? Because it is sort of unorthodox and I just so high pressure. Yeah, um, and and you're right. I think that's uh, you know part of the characteristics that Bobby's instilled there. You know that those kids play with a swagger and, a, and and deservedly so. That is Montana. You know, and and that reeks of success. Uh, you know, they play hard for 60 minutes in all three phases of their game. 
at the same time now, you know, we've played UNLV and San Diego State, and, and San Diego State is a, a very uh, similar defense in the sense that they're, they're going to come out of those stack positions and, and uh, bring, uh, as we say, pressure from the chimney, through the chimney, off the top of the roof, uh, under the house, every which way they can bring it, they're going to bring it. But uh, so we've seen that, you know. Uh, I think that is an advantage for us that we did play San Diego State and see a, a similar type of uh, defense. Um, I think Montana plays extremely hard. And uh, I think that, you know, that obviously giving you the multiple fronts, we have to be able to protect against those. And we have to have minimal busts against that pressure because they do a very good job of, uh, of bringing that pressure. And on the other side of the ball, Montana's office is across the sidelines, by the way, presented by Vance Thompson Vision, Charlie Ragel, first-year head coach of Idaho State, uh, joining us to preview the uh, Grizz at Idaho State game on uh, Saturday in Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, the Grizz offense has been humming along pretty darn good. I know that the, the scoring numbers maybe are a little skewed because they have scored on defense several times. They've scored on special teams several times. They've also gotten a couple safeties. So a lot of points coming a lot of different ways for the offense, but or for the Grizzlies at least, but the offense itself have been operating uh, pretty efficiently. So what's your take on Montana's offense well I, I think that they do a really good job with the, the personnel that they have you know I, I when you watch their quarterback uh, he's more of a runner than he is a thrower and, and uh, they do a good job of uh, exploiting his strengths um, you know not to not to say that they're not going to throw the ball but uh, you know um, you know they're going to take their shots down the field we expect that uh, but you know with his his feet and as active as he is, you know, and them running the option in, in di- different ways to get to it and making defenses play assignment football, uh, you know, that that's challenging. So I think any time, uh, as I was saying earlier, any time you have a, uh, a quarterback that can run and beat you with his feet, you know, you have to you're forced to play 11 on 11 football. So we have to contain him and and, and try and minimize uh, explosive runs, whether it be from him or the running backs who, who do a very nice job of just, you know, um, they just, they just perform, you know, their running backs are, are good running backs and they just get the job done. And there's a lot to be said for that in college football. So we, we've got to minimize or take away. I don't know if we can take it away, but certainly minimize the explosive plays, especially in the run game. Last thing for you then, Coach, uh, keys to the game for Idaho State. What matchups do you like, and, and what are the main principles you want to see play out uh, for you guys with Montana coming to town? Yeah, well, I think – well, first of all, let me say this. We, we, we've got to win the turnover battle, plain, plain and uh, simple. Uh, that's the number one statistic in winning and losing is turnover. So we have to win that battle. I think for our defense is that we, we've got to minimize explosive plays, period. We have to tackle well, and then just as I said, we've got to try and – minimize the run game whether it be from their running backs or their 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 quarterback um and then i think you know on the offensive side of the ball for us we have to as we we just mentioned a little bit ago uh we have to be stout in our protection and not give up uh uh, a plethora of quarterback sacks and then we've got to try and i think we have a pretty good receiving core and we've got to try and take advantage of you know our receivers are are pretty good and we've got to try and uh use our, our that uh you know strength of ours to our advantage and and hopefully we can do so on saturday he's charlie Ragel, first year head coach of idaho state making his debut here on nuana is now the first of many at least we hope so coach you're welcome back anytime i uh, love chatting ball with you and uh, we will talk to you soon best of luck on saturday yeah Coulter, appreciate you having me and uh as we say down here ttm tackle the moment and uh i know the montana people don't want to hear it but go Bengals. take care man 
Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks to all of our great sponsors for uh, the Big Sky Breakdown, including Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. We're joined now by a guy who has not been on the Big Sky Breakdown since 2015. Back then, Skyline Sports was about one year old, and uh, we were just getting started out, and he was the offensive line coach at Montana State. Now, years later, he is the head coach at the University of Idaho. Is Jason Eck. Coach Eck, thanks so much for uh, taking some time, man. How you been? I've been well, Coulter. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, first and foremost, let, let's talk about uh, this last week. Your team goes to Flagstaff, a big-time win. I, I targeted this game when we were doing our Big Sky Games of the Week uh, back in August, kind of leading up and hyping up the season. I thought this was a game that was going to be a pivotal game for both teams, given what the non-conference schedules were for both squads and uh, what the the, uh, the playoff aspirations are for both squads. And you guys go in there and get a decided 27-10 to 10 victory. So take us through it. What was the trip like to Flagstaff? Your first trip to Flag as a head coach, always a, a crazy weird place to go uh, but also a great performance by your team yeah we, we knew it was a big game coming in you know i thought uh that both us and them were, were good teams you know we had tough records uh because of our schedules but we were both one and two but i thought it was two good football teams playing and uh you know if you have playoff aspirations you don't want to start one and three so uh it, it was even though it was early in the season it was a huge game and uh, i thought our offense really came out and played well early uh, really moved the ball and ran the ball. We were very efficient. I think we were nine of ten passing in the first half, and uh, you know their their tempo had us a little off balance early in the game. But I thought our defensive staff, Coach Arwich, our D coordinator, and his guys, we made some great adjustments. And in the second half, we shut them out, and uh, so really a good win. You know, anytime you got a win on the road in conference, it's tough. You know, when when we went there in 2015 at Montana State, we got our butts beat. Uh, in, in that dome up there so it's a tough place to play and was very proud of our guys to come out with a win and our radio guy didn't tell me till afterwards when I was doing the post-game interview he said since Idaho's come back to the big sky going into that game we were two and 13 on the road I'm glad I didn't know that going in that might have affected my confidence going in but uh now we're we're one to know this year on the road so we got to keep building on that tell me about just navigating the non-conference because I thought this year, as much as any other year, it was so hard to gauge where teams are at because of the non-conference because a lot of times you're, you're playing money games, you're playing up, you're playing FBS opponents. In your guys' case, you're playing Power 5 opponents, Washington State and Indiana to start out the year. And then other times maybe you're trying to get you know a, a game at your place where you, know, you can maybe roll a little bit. And so how do you sort of manage that in terms of gauging the level of your team, the improvement of your team? 
it is tough to gauge. I mean, you just have to keep focusing on getting better, you know, throughout the weeks of practice. But, you know, our, our three non-conference games, you know, we had two games where we were a big underdog on paper, and then we had one game where we were a big favorite on paper. So, you know, really the, the Big Sky Conference is going to define, uh, you know, define us. And uh, it was a good first game, but, you know, that game doesn't mean anything unless we can follow it up with a good performance this week against Northern Colorado. What was your gauge on NAU? Because Chris Ball's been building it down there. Uh, a high opinion of him. We have one, and uh, I think there's a high opinion of him in the coaching world as well. He's brought in some talented recruits, uh, but you guys were able to shut down that offense. R.J. Martinez, one of the best young players in this league offensively, and you guys were able to, to really keep them in check. But what, how'd you evaluate NAU? What'd you think of that squad after seeing them in person? Yeah, you know, I think we were fortunate. We caught them with some injuries. You know, they're 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 really good running back number twenty two. I can't remember his name, but uh, he was out for the game, and so they were down to a kid who's uh, number twenty six, who they like to use in the passing game a lot. But that was that was a concern of ours. Was you know, were they going to try to run it right downhill on us? And they they kind of shuffled some old linemen around. They've had some different old line combinations. Uh, their quarterback scared us going in. I mean, he was a really athletic guy who could move around, and I was concerned by us. You know, by his scrambling ability, but I was uh, was really happy. I think our D line really won the matchup versus their O line and was able to get a lot of pressure on him. And uh, you know, it didn't parlay into a ton of sacks, but there was a ton of throwaways in the game. And when you can you know make a guy who's a good athlete throw the ball away, uh, you know, that's a big win for the defense. So uh, you know, I, I thought uh, they have a really nice slot receiver, number six, and he uh, he ended up. I was worried about him going to the game. We did a pretty nice job. Uh, him as well they targeted him about 15 times but he only had about five catches so I you know I I think we played pretty well in the game Uh, I still think that's a good football team you know I think that's a team that's going to be you know middle of the pack at worst you know in the conference they have a lot of good players Jason Eck joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. He's the first-year head coach of the University of Idaho. And, Coach, now that you got about a month of the season under your belt, what's the transition been like? I mean, I know you had a full nine months of offseason and talking about it and all that, but uh, in terms of what you thought your plan was going to be and then how you've executed said plan, uh, how has that gone? What are some of the big differences you noticed? What are some of the big challenges you guys have faced? Well, I'd say the biggest difference is, you know, as a head coach, you're on you're on TV. They put you on camera a lot, and I, I realize that camera does add weight now, Colter. You probably know that from being on TV. It says the truth. Try, I've, been try, I've been trying to up my workout schedule here this week because I noticed I look too fat on TV. So I'm working on that. So that's probably the biggest change for being an assistant. But uh, as far as the plan with the players and things, uh, I think it's going well. I mean, I, I have a great staff, you know, and I think that's that's something I, I really have learned through my times. Uh, you know, the 20 some years I was an assistant, you got to have great assistants and guys you believe in and guys you can trust. And, you know, those decisions on who I hired were probably the most important decisions. And, you know, starts with my coordinators, coach Arrich, uh, who came from South Dakota and Luke Schleichner who came from South Dakota state. I think they're doing a great job. And then I really give a lot of credit to our players. I think they've really bought in or doing what we we've asked them to do. And, you know, again, I, I told them all along, I, I don't think it was like a huge talent deficiency. You know, you look at last year, they play, you know, Montana State, who's in the national championship game, to seven points. I said, if you can do that, it's not like you have uh, a huge talent dis- deficiency. It's, there's a lot of things that coaching can fix with with discipline and things like that. I'm, I'm probably most proud of we're doing a great job with turnovers. You know, we're plus six on the year. We've gotten eight turnovers and only turned the ball over twice in four games, and that's that's winning football. Now, I think we can still work on some things like penalties. We're we're getting we're having too many penalties, but uh, you know, I, I think our, our plan is coming along, you know, pretty well, and uh, we got a good football team. I think we. Got, um, if we can keep getting better, I think we can be a, a you know a team that's in the in the mix here for the playoffs going going forward. One thing I totally agree with you. I haven't evaluated Idaho. Uh, 
pretty intensely since they returned to the league in 2018. I thought that the talent has been good and sometimes really good, and, there, and there's been some individual guys that have been some of the most talented players in the league. One thing you also noticed about the Vandals is uh, just how hard they play and how hard they hit defensively, and it seems like you guys have been able to maintain that. So what's it like coming in with some new ideas, but also maybe recognizing what your team is uh, has been doing well, what the program has been doing well, and carrying that forward too? How do you sort of marry those two uh, dynamics? Yeah, yeah, like I said, I think uh, we had a lot of good players that we inherited, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of those guys were just trying to coach up on the details more and, you know, help them up their game even more. But, you know, Favai Favai has been a good player here, you know, for a while. Uh, Nate DeGraw was a good player there. Uh, Marcus Harris. And then, you know, we've added some pretty good transfers, too, that's helped out. You know, we have, uh, I think last week we started four transfers on defense uh, that are new this year. Um Juliano Falanico is really doing a good job from USC. Paul Mualo came from Notre Dame, is doing a great job at our well linebacker. And then we got a pair of brothers who came from New Mexico. Ben Bertram, who was our player of the week last week, is being real active at that three technique. And then his brother Matthias uh, is our starting uh, field safety. So, you know, it, it was a mix. You know, we, we embraced the guys. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the guys we inherited are our guys just as much as the guys we, we've brought in. And, you know, we've kind of challenged them on, on things that, uh, you know, we talk a lot about championship behavior. And uh, that's kind of based on, you know, you know, champions act like champions before they're champions. You don't just, you know, start winning championships and then figure out how to do it. you got to exhibit, exhibit the, the behaviors that lead to championships first, and then the championships will come later. So that's, those are words you'll hear a lot in our building, us talking about that is, you know, is what you're doing championship behavior or not. And if it's not championship behavior, we got to try to limit it. And if it is, got to keep encouraging that and bringing that along. And uh, again, I think the kids are doing a good job buying into it. And I, I told them this week, we're going to keep turning up the heat and coaching the guys harder because I think they're ready for it. I think they're capable of, you know, us coaching them to the level of a championship team. Two more questions for you. Uh, first of all, Giovanni McCoy was very, very efficient last uh, week, and it seemed like that was a, a very big key for your offense. 18 of 20, 184 yards, and uh, a touchdown. So how important was that? And also, what have you thought of his progression? Where are you at with your young quarterback? Yeah, I mean, he set the school record for completion percentage last week. And there's been some pretty, you know, you look at, you know, John Freeze and, you know, Nathan Enderley and uh, Doug Nussmeyer and the, the Kamei kid. I mean, there's been a lot of good quarterbacks at Idaho. Uh, so to set the completion record uh, is really a credit to Giovanni and, and, to, and to Coach Slice in our offense. You know, again, I, I really trust Coach Slice. He came, to, he came with me from South Dakota State. And, uh, you know, our, our offense is really dictated on trying to keep things, you know, simple for the O-line and quarterback because we think those are the two toughest positions to play and the two toughest you know, ones to find and develop. You know, you can usually find some pretty good skill players at the other spots around there, but uh, you know, we want to try to keep it simple so those guys can play really fast, and Giovanni is playing really fast. He really impressed me. He's doing a great job of extending plays in the pocket. You know, he had a number of completions where there might have been a rusher coming at him and he stood in the pocket, or there was pressure and he you know, escaped one way and then delivered the ball downfield after buying time. Uh, you know, he's protecting the football. You know, he learned the first game he had uh, two interceptions. Now he's gone three straight weeks without turning it over. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a redshirt freshman, could not be happier about his development, how he's come along. And, uh, you know, I think he's really – he's continuing to get better. I mean, that, that's one of the negatives when you have a quarterback competition. And we really – there were times in August where we were really giving, like, four guys equal reps during camp. The nature of it is it's tough for one guy to really take off because he's not getting enough reps. But I think since he's – you know, earned the starting job about two weeks out from the first game. He's really continued to have a fast 
uh, ascension and get better. So I think the future is bright with Giovanni. And, uh, yeah, I think we have a number of good quarterbacks, but, uh, you know, Giovanni definitely earned it. And I think he's, you know, validated that spot by how he's played here in these first four games. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Jason Eck joining us, Idaho head coach, his team, their first conference home game, Northern Colorado coming to town, it's homecoming, and then a bye on the horizon before a showdown with rival Montana. So coach, uh, what is the importance, I mean, every game in college football is a huge one. What do you think of this Northern Colorado team that's coming to town, though? I don't look now, but Northern Colorado's won two in a row, and they had a pretty decisive win over Idaho State a week ago to start out 1-0 in league play. So what do you see of the Bears? What do you think of your first homecoming coming up here in Moscow? They're a pretty good team. Like I said, I I was... uh... You know, I know they were picked kind of low in the preseason rankings, so I was I was kind of hoping they'd be worse. And then I flipped on the tape, and they do a pretty good job. I, I think their offense knows what they're doing. I think they got a well coached O line. I think they do a good job of getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quick. A lot of you know quick passing game, which is some of the stuff we like to do as well. You know, because you're not taking sacks when the quarterback's holding the ball long, and uh, their backs are good. Uh, the the Dotson kid, I believe, is the one who transferred from Sac State. You know, he was the conference player of the week last week. So. Uh, you know, they, they got some talent there. And then on defense, they haven't always been the best at just purely stopping people, but they've been doing a great job of getting turnovers. And they turned over Lamar a bunch. They turned over Idaho State. And uh, to me, that is that is good defense when you can turn people over. That's, that's better than, you know, to holding them to a three and out and punt because you're getting field position for your offense. So uh, it's going to present a challenge. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're, as a rebuilding program, you know, we had a chance to go 2-0 and this week. The last time Idaho was 2-0 and in conference was 2009. So we that shows you our recent history has not been too hot we, we can't afford to you know overlook anybody though I think we're, we're probably the favorite in this game we gotta we gotta take care of our business and we gotta keep fixing you know things that we've seen in our first games that really have nothing to do with the opponent uh like you know pre-snap penalties on offense or late hit penalties on defense I mean that, that's the stuff we gotta fix to, to beat the best teams in our conference and uh no no better week to start than right now and I think we're gonna have a great crowd in the Kibbe Dome which I'm excited about I want to start having those crowds like you know they have in Montana and Montana State here Jason Eck First-year head coach at the University of Idaho. Uh, back on the Big Sky Breakdown for the first time in a long time, but uh, Coach, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks for taking a minute for us, and uh, we'll catch up with you uh, probably within the next couple of weeks. But either way, best of luck on Saturday. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it, Colter. I appreciate your, your guys' coverage of the Big Sky. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on our Friday episode where we feature various interviews from around the league. We're joined now by Weber State co-defensive coordinator Grant Duff. Weber coming off a 17-12 victory over UC Davis uh, a week ago. And Coach, uh, thanks for being with us. First of all, let's let's talk about your position, your path at Weber State. I know you've been there for almost a decade and it seems like you've really been able to climb the ladder up to now having this co-defensive coordinator spot. So just take us through it. What's it been like being there at Weber State, building this thing with Coach Hill, and and what have you learned from him, a great defensive mind? 
Uh, it's, it's been a fantastic uh, voyage. You know, we took over in 2014. I was part of the original staff. And, you know, he really had a great vision and a, and a you know, a path that he wanted to traverse into the future. And, and we've just been able to lay it brick by brick. And, you know, the first the first year was a struggle as you're building. You know, it, it gets frustrating. You, you start to doubt yourself at times. But, you know, you just, just stay true, put your nose to the grindstone and work. And, and we've been able to build something that we're all pretty proud of and, and proud that we were a part of it. College football is such a uh, such a mirror for life, right? And uh, I thought Aaron Best, Eastern Washington head coach, said last week on this uh, this show such an interesting line. He said the hardest thing in life is sustained success, and he said it doesn't matter what what it is you do. It's always hard to sustain a level of excellence once you attain it. How's that pertain to Weber State then? Because I know you guys had the five straight playoff bursts, multiple Big Sky Garbage championships, and last year a game or two outside the playoffs, but now rolling along 4-0 this year as well. So what's the process been like to try to sustain the standard you guys have set? Well, it is it is a difficulty. I gotta agree with Coach Best on that one. He, to take the the path of least resistance, to be water, you know, just flowing down a mountainside uh, when there's a rock in your path. Going, and, and unfortunately, in college football, we we gotta train ourselves as coaches and players to be exactly the opposite uh, of how human nature is supposed to be. And that takes you know a daily discipline. It takes the right character. It takes the right vision. There's there's a lot of psychology that goes into that because it's a it's a battle we have to we have to face. Uh, you know, we've 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 got the we've been successful in you know the type of kid we want to recruit and the intrinsically motivated uh, individual that we have in the program and and working together, we're able to you know keep ourselves from having too many of those down days, those days where we just want to take uh, take the easy road and, and you start to stack those good days on top of each other and and good things usually tend to happen for you in life. Being with the Weber State guys at the Big Sky kickoff, the two players that, that came, uh, Eddie Hecker being one of them, it, it was so striking to me uh, how motivated they were uh, by the way the last year ended and coming into this year and sort of having the, the new opportunity to reprove that you guys are one of the best teams in the league. And you've shown that so far a month into the season. What uh, what have you thought of that dynamic, though? Because it seemed like this is a really hungry group that really wants to reattain it and get back into that that playoff standard, that you know national contender, that Big Sky Conference Championship standard. Yeah, i got to give all the credit to our players. You know, they're, they're the ones that are out there making plays, and they do a great job rebounding and you know being having a great resolve you know last year was a bitter pill to, to swallow for us i mean it, we'd be lying if we didn't tell you that we thought we had a really good team another team that could contend for championships and then at the end of it all you look in the mirror and you, it's like a, a kick to the crotch you know you just didn't achieve what we thought we were capable of and and you know it, it stung it stung some people the right way um, so this offseason has been a great chance for those guys to kind of take the next step and prove that it was a little bit of a fluke. And, and like you said, we're on the right track, but we're still we're still working. We got things we got to clean up. Um, by no means are we perfect, nor do we nor do we think we should be. But excellent. So we, we got a lot to go. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Town pump. Right down the road. Pump it up. Oh, yeah. 
Grant Duff joining us here uh, at Big Sky Breakdown. He is the co-defensive coordinator for Weber State. Wildcats giving up just nine and a half points per game this year. And, and Coach, before we get into the uh, the win last week over UC Davis, I want to ask you about the Utah State win because uh, your guys' non-conference was a uh, an interesting one. You took care of business against uh, two teams that I uh, probably thought you should beat, but the, also the one when you went to Logan and landed on the Aggies. Pretty eye-opening, one of the best and uh, probably biggest statement wins by an FCS over an FBS this year. So uh, what would you think of the preparation going into that week? How were you guys able to do that? It seemed like you guys were uh, more than ready to go when you played in Logan a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I thought, I thought our players did a great job preparing. They were excited for that game. Um, you know, a lot of the players that we recruit from the state of Utah grew up playing against guys that, uh, that are on the Utah State team. So there's a lot of familiarity there. Uh, but just it, it was probably the single best week of preparation that I've seen from, from a team since I've been at Weber State. They were hungry. They were excited. Uh, they were dedicated. And, and, you know, get the player, that player-led, you know, preparation, then, then good things tend to happen. But I mean, the guys, they were physical, they were flying around, they, they had a chip on their shoulder, they wanted to make a statement, you know, not just win, um, but, but wanted to make a, like you said, a statement out of it. And we've been close in the past, you know, a couple close losses with Mountain West schools, and, and uh, they were they were real excited to, to pull this one off. Coming into this year, uh, just looking at your personnel, uh, I know it, games aren't played on paper, but you can always tell, you know, at least some of the star power you got coming back, some of the great players you got coming back. And I thought you guys had a chance to have not only one of the best secondaries in the conference, but one of the best secondaries in the country. And that's bared out. I mean, you guys are forcing a bunch of turnovers and uh, really hard to move the ball uh, over the top against you, your defense. So um, what, have, what have been the key factors, though? I mean, how have you guys been able to be so stingy in the secondary when you do have so much talent uh, on the back end? What does that help you do defensively uh, on, in the front seven? Well, it, it makes our life up front really easy you know we can play man coverage or zero coverage across the board and, and allow us to stack the box and take away the run game you, you, you just the, the possibilities are endless for me i'm like a mad scientist you know yeah uh, i gotta give joe dale and andre dyson all the credit they they've done a great job coaching those guys recruiting those guys developing those guys um you know we've got great veteran leadership back there guys that have been you know been around the program playing for a while um and our, our first game in 19 we were playing San Diego State, and we lined up, and, and all four of those dudes were true freshmen that year playing, uh, you know, against the FBS team. And you, you look around and go, holy crap, what are we going to get? You know, we lost 6 nothing, and we, we played them great. And we knew right then as coaches, we were like, hey, this thing's going to be special for the next couple of years having these dudes around. So we love the heck out of them. They're, they're the heart and soul of our defense right now. And like you said, it's, it's showing. Last couple things for you, uh, then, Coach. First of all, take us through the UC Davis uh, win. I, it looked like you guys had a pretty defined game plan, and uh, being able to tackle in the open field looked like it was a huge part of it, or at least having confidence you could tackle in the open field looked like a huge part of it. What did you think of your execution last week? How are you guys able to hold a, a potent Dave, excuse me, Davis offense to only 12 points? Well, we, the, the players did a great job at getting out of a couple key plays. A big stop right before half on the one-yard line. You know, a play by Eddie Heckard where we, we'd seen it a bunch in practice and, and saw it on film, and he just knew what was coming in that situation. Got to give him the credit there. You know, we block a field goal that was huge. Maxwell Anderson comes off the edge, another deal we kind of worked on. Um, we did tackle really well in space. I thought that was a strong suit. We didn't quite play the run as well as we'd like and well as we've been used to. That that was a little, little bit of a downer, but, uh, you know, 
sometimes you got to have those little setbacks to grow and take the next step. And, uh, and so I, I know up front we'll be able to do that. But I got to, I mean, UC Davis gives us a tough freaking game every year. I, I can't wait when the big sky will revamp this thing. It's like we played them every single year. I, I, I'd like to get them off. <laughs> the future because they're, they're tough they're disciplined they, they're well coached they're really creative in their game plans they do things that stress us and uh and it, it you know it, it makes makes me lose a couple hairs on top of my head every time we got to prep for them so they do a great job but you know going into that place um you know getting a win on the road in the big sky against a good team that you know they, they gave south dakota state everything they wanted they gave cal everything they wanted I mean, that's, that's a good football club that's going to win a bunch of ball games. so I'm, I'm just glad we can squeak it out. Yeah, it's crazy, the Big Sky unbalanced schedule. I mean, I think UC Davis comes to Bozeman for the first time in Dan Hawkins' tenure there at UC Davis. He's been there for six or seven years. And I, I know Montana goes to Pocatello for the first time since Bobby Houck's been back. He's been back for five years, so it is crazy. Sometimes you play the same teams over and over again. Sometimes you don't get to play teams, especially in certain areas, but at least that's changing now uh, with the readjustment. Uh, you guys are... Uh, now on a buy, so what are the main points of emphasis there at Weber State moving forward? And uh, what do you think of your prospects now moving into the heart of the schedule, moving into the heart of October? Well, we, uh, you know, going into a buy, we got to get healthy. That's that's the most advantageous part about having a buy, the little picks and bumps and stuff. Uh, get healthy. And then the second point, we got to get better. You know, we got to use this. We've got preparation, uh, Eastern Washington coming up. So we, if we don't get a jump start, shame on us. You know, we should be able to know those guys inside and out um, and all, all their tendencies. And then you kind of got to recharge your batteries a little bit. That's with anything in life. If you do too much of it, you will get burnt out. And that, that's no different for our, for our players and for our coaches. So, you know, take, take a couple days. Uh, we'll do some recruiting. The players will recharge their batteries. And then, you know, come back Monday hungry with a vengeance and, and, you know, ready to really get into this gauntlet. Yeah. Speaking forward as we go, we, we know we got a stretch. We're hitting the big sky meet of the schedule, and there's a lot of good teams that play a lot of good ball. The coaching is excellent in this league. Uh, the physicality, the toughness, um, the execution, it's – it's. I think it's the best league in the country, and, and I don't know how many, too many people can argue top to bottom uh, any differently. I mean, there's – there's seven teams in this league that all have a viable shot of winning this thing. And um, it's going to come down to, you know, a couple lucky bounces here and there and, and some execution and staying healthy. And uh, But it's, it's fun to get through it because every week's going to be a meat grinder and it requires your best and it really tests your mettle as a man. So let's uh, let's see what we're all about. Grant Duff joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown, co-defensive coordinator for the Weber State Wildcats. They're on a bye this week. And then back into conference play. Coach, thanks for taking a minute for us. We really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck down the road. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you guys soon because I know we're going to have a couple uh, games on the docket where we'll be in attendance. We'll be there uh, when you guys are in Bozeman. We'll be down there when you, when uh, Montana comes to Ogden. So uh, looking forward for more Wildcat coverage throughout the year. But thanks for being with us today. Appreciate you. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Well, the beat rolls on. 
If you know anything about me, you know that before I came to ESPN Missoula, I was working for the Idaho State Journal down there in Pocatello, Idaho, covering ISU Bengals football, women's basketball, all kind of high school sports down there in southeast Idaho. Last year, we had Jordan Kay, who took over for me, talking a little bit about ISU. This year, we've got another guy, the latest in a long line of great sports reporters down there at the Idaho State Journal in Pocatello. It's Greg Woods joining myself, Andrew Houghton, to talk a little ISU Bengals football as the Montana Grizzlies are heading down to Pocatello to take on the 0-4 Bengals this weekend. Greg, first off, man, thanks for coming on. How's life down there in Pokey? Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me on. It is... um. It's great, man. I'm just uh, playing to pick up basketball every now and then, and uh, write, you know, preps and ISU stuff, and uh, trying to, uh, you know, enjoy covering an 0-4 team. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes this season. For sure. Let's just start there. How's it been like? What have been your first impressions of ISU football? And I know that you were around in that area of the country because you were working at the Idaho Falls paper when I was down in Pocatello. So you were aware, but what were your first impressions of ISU? Um, Well, I didn't, like, when I was in Idaho Falls, I didn't, like, pay super close attention to ISU just because, like, that was outside of our coverage area, and they didn't seem to, I mean, they they had, like, a one-win season back then, so it wasn't like I had, like, I was super intrigued by them (laughs) for that reason. Um, but, But now I just, like, I don't know, like, with a lot of these first-year head coaches like Charlie Regal, they just walk into the situation where they just have a lot of guys obviously are not their guys. And um, so Regal had to bring in a, a bunch of like Juco guys, whether it's from California, like the Bay Area where he used to coach, or Arizona where he got his coaching start. And he just had to bring in like a bunch of these guys kind of at the last minute just to kind of fill out the roster. Um, so in a lot of ways, a lot of what has um, happened this year is like way out of his control, whether it's, you know, his DB coach getting arrested for murder <laughs> or, uh, you know, his first two uh, quarterbacks going down with injuries. And it's just like, it's a really tough hand for him to be dealt in his first year, um, especially now you get a, you know, a number two team in FCS in Montana this weekend. So um, definitely, you know, a very forgettable start to the season. Um, but it's also tough for them just because like a lot of the way the season has gone has been just out of their hands in a lot of ways. Well, that's right. Charlie Raggle in his first year at Idaho State after Rob Fennessy, former Montana offensive coordinator, got five years there, had a couple of optimistic, uh, you know, maybe moving forward years, but things sort of fell apart on Fenn at the end there. And he was let go after the fall 2021 season. And they picked Charlie Raggle. It's his first head coaching job, at least in college. I know he's got some high school head coaching experience, and that's sort of how he got into the game. He's an Arizona guy, so he coached high schools in Arizona for some time. He's had jobs at Arizona and at Arizona State, but he comes to Idaho State from Cal, where he was the special teams coordinator for several years. Greg, what have you thought about Charlie Raggle? What do you think his his strengths, his weaknesses are, and what does he want his football team to look like? Yeah, well, he, uh, you know, like you said, he his last job was the uh, special teams coordinator at Cal. And in a really, like, strange and unfortunate twist, when he got to ISU, he had exactly zero specialists on the roster. <laughs> um, so that was a tough hand to be dealt. I mean, they ended up signing Ian Hurst with the kicker, who was, like, you know, legitimately one of their best players. He has, like, that serious of a leg. Um, so, in, like, in that way, it was, it was hard for him to take over this program because, like, so much of what he had been used to coaching, he just did not have. Um, here at ISU. Um, but 
I mean, outside of that, I mean, I, I definitely like the guy. I think he's a very straight shooter. He doesn't, you know, sugarcoat much of anything. He's very, um, you know, realistic. You know, I think he does a pretty good job, at least when he talks to us about, like, finding a balance between, hey, we, you know, we want to do right by the seniors and, you know, do our best to win this year. But, you know, we also realize that this is going to be a long-term project and, you know, we're not going to get this thing turned around 180 degrees, you know, in one year. And so I think in a lot of ways, I just respect like his, you know, real realism, realisticness, whatever. Um, so that's been been nice to see. I just like, I, I don't know, like he's just so um, his his offense has been like not even that bad. I mean, it's just. I mean, they have several, you know, playmakers between, you know, Xavier Guillory and Jalen Johnson, who transferred from Arizona, and um, Cyrus Wallace, their tight end. I mean, they have, like, some legitimate weapons on offense. The problem is that they, they have, you know, they just have not had the quarterback they expected to have, you know, thrown to these guys and, you know, managing the offense. So, um, I think he's done a great job with the offense. Him and, uh, you know, offensive coordinator Taylor Mazzoni have, you know, done the best with, with what they've had. Um, but, again, like, a lot of these things that have happened this season are just, it's been a bunch of injuries and a bunch of things that they have not been able to control. So um, I think Regal is doing okay with what he has. It's just like, you know, this is a really, really tough situation to walk into. Um, and it's definitely not going to get turned around, you know, in one season. Well, that's right. That's been the big news out of Pocatello this week, and I'm sure what everybody up here in Missoula wants to know about. Raggle announced, I think, Monday that Sagan Gronauer, who's the third-string quarterback, would be starting. It's been sort of a comedy of errors for the Bengals at that quarterback position, uh, and a lot of bad luck there. Uh, Tyler Vanderwall is a guy who they brought in when I was there, a transfer from Wyoming, a guy who started at Wyoming uh, for a period of time, but eventually found himself on the outs in Laramie. Rob Fennessy brought him into the be the starter, and he showed a lot of good things in that spring 2021 season when I think it looked like Idaho State might be on the upswing again. But the fall 2021 season, you know, I think Tyler Vanderwall regressed a little bit, and then, of course, he got hurt in the fall as well. So that didn't help. By that point, the backup was Hunter Hayes, who's a guy who's an ISU legacy kid from out of, I think, Cody, Wyoming. They brought him in as a walk-on, but by that point in fall of 2021, they decided that he was the guy that they wanted to go with when Tyler Vanderwall got hurt. So you came into this fall 2022 season with two quarterbacks with experience because Hunter Hayes got some time last fall, but now both of those guys have gone down again and the Bengals are rolling with Sagan Gronauer. Greg, just tell me what you know about that situation and, and what to expect from Sagan Gronauer. Yeah, well, I think um, uh, when you and I were uh, talking about this before we started recording, I mean, a lot of the way they used him last year was just kind of, you know, having him hand the ball off and run these kind of short, you know, intermediate routes. Um, But there was um, last fall when they played Cal Poly, which they came – I mean, within three points of uh, winning that game. So that game, Gronauer goes 23 for 38, 273 yards, two picks, and two touchdowns. So the point is that, like, you know, it's not like they're just using him to just hand the ball off and, you know, run these short, like, slant routes or hitch routes or whatever. Like, he does have a little bit of experience, you know, throwing the ball out there and kind of slinging it. Um I mean, the problem is that, like, he's their third stringer for a reason. Um, and even, I mean, like, this uh, – in uh, spring ball and fall camp, it was pretty clear, you know, pretty early on that the quarterback battle was going to be between Vanderwall and Hayes. Um, it was just, I mean, I don't think Gronauer, you know, made much of uh he wasn't a name that the coaches were bringing up a whole lot at the point. And so it became clear pretty quickly that it was going to, you know, be around those two guys. Um, and obviously now they're, they're getting, get, you know, getting down to Gronauer. And so 
I think he has, like I said, I, I think he has some weapons to work with, whether it's, you know, Xavier Guillory or Dalen Johnson or Cyrus Wallace or Raiden Hunter or Benji Amaibu. I mean, they, they have some, like, legit weapons on offense. It's just a matter of, one, do they trust Grant Hour to, you know, throw the ball into space to those guys against the Montana defense that it sounds like is just awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just, um, you know, whether they trust him to, you know, to get the ball to those guys, and um, and then whether they have to, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, how how well uh, they'll fare uh, running the ball. So maybe at some point it comes down to okay, we have to kind of air it out a little bit, and then you'll find out, you know, what what ground now is kind of made of against a defense that, you know, like I said, it sounds like it's just incredible. Yeah, it's a tough task for any quarterback, let alone one who hasn't played a ton. A little bit more context on Sagan Gronauer here, because he's a guy who was a freshman in 2019 when I was first getting to Pocatello and starting to cover the team. And he he was a guy who looked like he had a lot of potential. I mean, he looks the part. He's out of Las Vegas. He was a good player in high school. He's 6'1", so not great height, but certainly tall enough. Looked the part. And, and in 2019, he was sort of in the background of what was a quarterback battle back then between Matt Strzok and Gunnar Amos in fall camp for the Bengals, and Matt Strzok eventually won that and looked really good for about half the season, and then things started to fall apart down the stretch, and by that point, Gunnar Amos wasn't in the program anymore, so Sagan Gronauer was actually the backup down the stretch in 2019, and as they were sort of trying to light a fire under Matt Strzok, he got some playing time. I think he started a game down the stretch in 2019. He got some playing time again in the fall last year when I wasn't there and Greg was, so I think he's making, if I count correctly, his fifth career start this year, even though he entered the season as the third stringer, but he's a guy, from what I remember, of watching him pretty good arm looks the part he was a guy who, sh- who should have been developed you know on a more normal developmental track than this where he spends a couple years sitting behind somebody and not getting that many game reps but getting a lot of practice reps obviously it hasn't worked out like that so far for Sagan Gronauer but I you know I saw some good things from him when I was there and the coaching staffs kept him around and now he's getting another opportunity to play Greg you mentioned some of the guys that he's going to be throwing to what's the scouting report on the rest of this ISU offense that's going to have to help their their quarterback, you know, along in this game as he's playing for the first time in a while. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, they do have some like some real weapons. Um, Xavier Guillory is a guy that um, is a super explosive. I mean, against San Diego State uh, before Vanderwall got hurt, he caught this like slant over the middle and just like freaking just erupted up the middle, just used this like unreal speed and just um, and just burned everybody for I think that was like a seventy five yard touchdown pass. Um, and then same deal against uh, Northern Colorado last week. He catches. The, at the, I'm not sure if it was a slam, but it was a, it was a pass over the middle and um, ends up breaking up like a 51 yard touchdown pass. And he takes off a couple tackles. Um, so he is like a, a, a real weapon um, that you know Montana is going to have to account for. Um, and then they have guys. I mean, the running back is uh, Raiden Hunter. Um, who, uh, you know, is, is not the fastest guy in the world, but I think he's, he's more of like a built guy that can, uh, you know, withstand a few tackles. Um, and then they have a guy named uh, Jalen Johnson, who is a transfer from Arizona. Uh, didn't get to campus until July, um, but he he hasn't, you know, gotten a lot of opportunities. But, um, but for example, against uh, UNLV, he made this awesome double move to shake off this DB and gets a wide open for a long touchdown. And when I saw that happen, I thought that UNLV just had a, had a bust coverage. But uh, when I watched the replay, it was like, oh, this guy's made like an incredible move to get open. So, you know, obviously has some wiggle, has, has some talent. Um, and then you look at guys like uh, Benji Amayabu, who I think was there when you were there. 
Um, you know, you know, pretty sore in stature guy, but super fast. He's some kind of, you know, kind of a scat back and uh, receiver. I'm trying to think. And then, um, you know, Cyrus Wallace, uh, the tight end, he, he's a transfer from a junior college in California. Uh, has, you know, has some size to him. Uh, is improving as a blocker. Um, and so those are the guys that they're going to, you know, put around Gronauer to, to try and solve whatever they can of this Montana defense. Um, and like I said, they, these are like, like legit weapons. I mean, I, I'm not just, you know, trying to talk them up here. I mean, I mean, these, I mean these are like legit guys. Um, it will just be a matter of, you know, how will they fare with their, you know, third-string quarterback throwing them the ball. Yeah, Xavier Guillory for sure is a guy who's who's really legit. I mean, talking about like he's as skilled as anybody in the conference. He's having his breakout year this year. As you mentioned, he's a guy who spent a year at Air Force prep before coming up to Idaho State. He's a guy who's flashed. He was there uh, spring 2021, I believe, was his first playing time. So I got to watch him when I was up there. And he's a guy who's who's long. He's got a good big frame. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Lance McCutcheon, who was at Montana State last year and is now on the St. Louis Rams. And that he's, he's big, he's long, he's strong, he's lanky. He can attack the ball at the catch point and catch the ball over defensive backs. This year, it looks like he's, a, he's added that explosiveness that Greg is talking about, where he's able to you know, catch a slant and beat his guy and turn downfield. Um, so he look he looks really good, and he's in fact leading the, the Big Sky Conference right now. 377 receiving yards and three touchdowns in four games comes out to almost 95 yards per game. So he's a guy that I think is as legit as anybody else in the conference. And then behind him, like Greg said, they've got a, a bunch of guys who are talented, but just waiting to break out. Benji Amayabu, you mentioned, he's a guy who broke out a little bit last year. Good returner, smaller, scat back type of guy. Raiden Hunter's a guy in, who's been in the program for a long time and I know Rob Fennessy and his staff were high on Raiden Hunter when he was coming into the program so they've got some weapons I think like you said of course we're bearing the lead a little bit here Greg the problem with ISU and then this has been a constant going back to Mike Kramer's teams it was really a big deal with Fennessy's teams the problem's really never been their offense their offense has usually been you know a competent big sky offense and generally better than that but Idaho State loves to give points back on the other side of the ball and it's been the same this year they can't stop the big plays they can't stop your running the ball they can't really stop you throwing the ball either what have you seen from their defense so far this year well yeah you're right on there i mean their defense has definitely had a lot of holes i mean the the strength of their defense is definitely or at least they they hope it to be their defensive line with guys like uh remo trevino and uh tyler gonzalez i think he'll be back from injury this year or this, this week um Terrence Jones, I mean, and uh, Cortland Horton, who is a uh, Eagle High School guy over in Boise. I mean, they so they they have some defensive linemen that they, you know, that they that have forced turnovers that can you know create some pressure. But the problem is when you get to the second and third levels, it gets pretty dicey. I mean, a lot of their linebackers um, outside of Charles E. K. just have not played a whole bunch. I mean, they're playing guys like DJ Hagler um, and um, you know. Just, just guys that have not played a whole bunch and get to the secondary. And um, they do have one cornerback, uh, Josh Alford, who um, is definitely their best DB, most experienced, being played a little bit, or I mean, started last year. So, he, you know, he has some experience. Um, but then he just go around to the other spots, and you know, in the defense, um, whether it's the rest of their secondary or the rest of their linebacker core. And it's just very, you know, like I said, uh, a lot of guys have just not played a bunch. A lot of guys that are just like, you know, are have, you know, didn't play last year and now they're having to play. And it's just like, yeah. And it's, um, you know, 
Regal was not um he was not too upset with the defense after last weekend's game um against Northern you know, Northern Colorado because I mean their defense only only you know, you know, only gave up twenty one points, but then it's like okay, they gave up like a punt return touchdown and then you know, and then a scoop and score. So it's like okay, I like get the defense is out there, would they have given up more, would they have not? Um so I mean they haven't been like totally just horrible, but um but when they've had to be on the field, you know, for several you know, possessions a game, it's like, you know, if they're not getting pressure, then it gets pretty dicey because then you get the quarterback back there, time to throw, and then their secondary gets exposed in a lot of ways. And they've they've given up a lot of big plays, you know, on the ground and through the air. Um, and I don't know if there's a good way to solve that. So um, I, I, I guess they're just hoping that Montana runs the ball because I think they're a lot better against the run than the pass. Um, but again, once you get, you know, once you get past the first level of ICU defense, get into the linebackers, and once you get into the secondary, then you're starting to have some luck because once it, you know, like I said, once it gets past that first level, you're, you're running in some holes, you know, with that ISU defense. Yeah, I love what you said there. I, I'm not sure there's a way to fix it either. I mean, ISU has given up 209 yards on the ground per game, 250 yards in the passing game per game. So you're giving up 200 on the ground, you're giving up 200 in the air. You don't really have anything that you can hang your hat on. And I think it is just a talent issue. I mean, they've got some guys who can play. They've got some okay players on that defense. I also like Josh Alford, who's a guy who came in from St. John Bosco, which is one of the top high schools in California. And he was a guy who played right away, and he's a guy who took his lumps in that spring 2021 season. A lot of teams were picking on him, but he's a guy who's played at a high level. You know, Charles Ike is a is a good run stopping linebacker. He's a he's a good middle linebacker. He knows where to be. He's physical. He's leading them in tackles. They've got some guys on the defensive line, but it's the same story with ISU. I mean, ISU, when I was there, was a team that wanted the defensive line to stop the run, and they almost completely jettisoned any attempt at having a pass rush from the defensive line in an attempt to stop the run, and they weren't really great, at, all, all that great at stopping the run either. They've got some guys on the defensive line, but again, your, your opponents are averaging 5.5 yards per rush, and ISU only has seven sacks this year, and that was always a huge issue for them. Just could never get a pass rush, weren't great at putting quarterbacks under pressure, and it seems like that's sort of the same story this year. Yeah, I mean, they, they have to get pressure on the quarterback, um, and, and you know, like you said, they have not done a great job of that this year, um, which I think goes, I mean, hand-in-hand hand with them giving up big plays because when you give the quarterback back their time to throw, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, if, you know I mean, a, a fantastic quarterback. I mean, it's just like when you give, you know, them time to throw, I mean, they're they're going to find guys in space. They're going to, whether it's, or they can just, I mean, them think of themselves and, I mean, you know, running down the field. So it's just like, you know, for as much as they, they want to be a team that, you know, emphasizes, the, you know, the, the defensive line and gets pressure and, you know, stops to run. That's just like, that's just not the reality. And so like, I mean, again, this is a thing that I don't know if there's a way to solve that, at least not this year until you get a, a new crop of guys and you know some new dudes in there. Um, so yeah, it's just like, I mean, I feel bad picking on it, but it's just like, it's just, it's just hard to find one phase of their defense that's really, you know, made a difference because even the parts of their defense that they've that they've stressed that they want they want to hang their hat on it's just not not come to fruition so um it's just just a tough deal for them right now 
Yeah, it really is tough. And like I said, I think it really is a talent issue. I mean, you look at a team like Montana who's running three or four deep at every position on the defense and and rolling guys in and rotating. And then you look at a team like ISU who they've got a couple good big sky conference caliber players there. But after that, things start getting real thin uh, and it's been tough for ISU. So, Greg, I'll, I'll get you out of here. It's Greg Woods, by the way. Idaho State beat writer for the Idaho State Journal down there on Pocatello joining me to talk a little Bengals football as Montana prepares to head down to Pocatello and take on the Bengals this week. But Greg, I, you know, I'll get you out of here and I, I don't want you to to ask you to predict the score of this game. I think, you know, we're all pretty aware of that Montana's going to be favored by a lot in this game and probably is going to be expecting to win by a lot. But what do you want, what, what do you think ISU wants to take out of this game and, and what's sort of the mood around the team and the program going into this game? Well, I think number one, they want to avoid injury. I mean, that was their number one. Like, when they played UNLV at the, uh, in their first game of the season, I mean, they got smoked, but nobody got hurt. They got paid a nice paycheck, and they went back to Pocatello um, with, with everybody intact. So I think, like, you know, number one, first and foremost, they just want to make sure that no one gets, um, I mean, seriously hurt against Montana um, so they can at least have some bodies the rest of the season. Um, I think if they can avoid giving up I mean, a rash of big plays like they have in previous weeks, that would be, you know, a little bit of an improvement. I think if they can get a little bit of pressure on the quarterback, um, even if it doesn't lead to sacks, even if it doesn't lead to any hurries, if they can just have some sort of, like, progress on that front, they would feel encouraged. Um, If they can get guys, I mean, if, uh, you know, Gillery can do his thing and, you know, you know, gets a pass for Jalen Johnson. If they could just get second ground hours and positive experience, you know, if he can complete a few, you know, long to, you know, to intermediate routes, that would give him some confidence. I think it's just, I mean, this game, I mean, realistically, they're, they're probably not expected to win, but if they want, if they can avoid injuries and if they can get guys, you know, something to be confident about, something to feel confident about, then, then they'll be on the right track. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, a win is, you know, in the cards for them at this point. Well, that basically tells you what you need to know about Montana's matchup with Idaho State coming up on Saturday in Pocatello. It's been a rough season so far for the Bengals in terms of both injuries and and bad luck, but also in terms of results. Uh, And they'll have a tough task with the 4-0 Montana Grizzlies coming to town on Saturday. There's everything that you wanted to know about Bengal football, probably more than you wanted to know about Bengal football, courtesy of a guy who used to cover the Bengals, that's me, Andrew Houghton, and the guy who's covering the Bengals right now, that's Greg Woods of the Idaho State Journal down there in Pocatello, Uh, a great reporter, a guy I'm glad to call a friend of mine as well. Greg, thank you so much for your time, man. Let people know where they can find you if they're looking for more on Idaho State before this game. Yeah, so uh, my Twitter is just uh, Greg W. Woods. Um, and then you could stay locked into our site, you know, IdahoStateJournal.com and our Facebook as well. And, uh, yeah, all the stuff will uh, be on there. Well, sounds good, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for sharing the insight, and I'm looking forward to uh, hanging out with you down in Pokey this weekend. Absolutely, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving.
Well, happy now for Across the Sidelines, where we profile various different subjects involved with the opponents for both Montana and Montana State. Missed the boat this week. Dan Hawkins, he only does his media on Mondays, and I was late to the draw. Didn't even, uh, didn't even put my media request in until Tuesday. You'd think I'd be better than this as a veteran. But uh, either way, we're happy now to be joined by the voice of the UC Davis Aggies, Scott Marsh. Scott's uh, been uh, doing a variety of different things in the Sacramento and Davis, California area for a long time. And a guy I've actually never met in person, but we've worked together before. Scott, thanks for being here, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Coulter. It's great to talk to you. And don't feel bad about missing the press conference because I reached out to the Montana State people about the Coach Vegan press conference on Tuesday as well and found out that he did his on Monday. So I've been doing this 16 years. So. <laughs> well, me and you both, 16 years, and we still can't figure out how to track these guys down. They're elusive. Uh, but yeah, right. let's start there with, with Coach Hawk because he is such a uh, unique character in a league full of unique characters, but he has such a outside-of-the-box way of thinking. And uh, every time I talk to him, it's total wild card. You never know what you're going to get, but it's always yeah. funny and entertaining. So uh, what have you thought of, of just uh, covering his teams and, and uh, getting to know Hawk a little bit uh, as the play-by-play guy there? You know what? I think you said it really well. Coach Hawk is a savant. You know, I think he's just – one of those characters borderline genius as a football guy and that's what makes him eccentric because to your point you never really know what he's going to want to talk about usually or in a lot of cases occasions it's not even about football you know he hosts this podcast that he's interviewing astronauts and nuclear physicists and you know football somehow fits into the whole thing but uh hawk has been great to work with uh, he makes it fun. He's run a great program. This is his alma mater. He is extremely passionate about UC Davis and UC Davis football. He loves his players, and certainly he stepped up the game with what Davis has been able to do, getting into the playoffs for the first two times in school history over his last five years running the program. Well, how much do you think that is a factor? Because I, I found UC Davis as an institution – uh, very compelling to write about and learn about since they joined the Big Sky Conference 10 years ago because Davis is such an elite academic institution. There's so much to offer there. I mean, the campus is so huge and, and so fun to hang out on. And uh, But it also takes a certain kind of recruiting strategy to find the guys that can fit in there academically and athletically at UC Davis. So how much do you think Hawkins being a UC Davis alum and really understanding that because he is one of those guys, how much does that help him? Um, it's everything. And to your point, uh, and you can appreciate since you've been here, you know, UC Davis is a world-class university. And, I, you know, I, I don't mean to, to say that in an elitist way, but it is a top 10 public university in the country it has over 40,000 students and really there's not much from an academic standpoint that separates it from you know Cal or UCLA and, and you know so in my mind UC Davis you know at some point should be a power five football school now obviously it takes a ton of resources and there's a lot of steps that would have to go along the ways but I'm just talking in terms of the university it truly is at that caliber you know as for Dan Hawkins you know when you're, you're recruiting at a level where it, it's almost as hard to get into as it is Cal or Stanford you know it's tough right um, but what he's done is really smart because he embraces that and for example, Nick Amoa, our starting left tackle, uh, he was looking at a lot of schools. He's an aerospace engineer. Wow. Uh, Dan Hawkins told him that, you know, if he comes to Davis, of course, he can major in aerospace engineering and that he's going to be able to do whatever he needs to do to succeed in that field. Quite candidly, when he was recruited from some other schools, they were kind of like, well, we don't know if that's really the right, you know, um, 
a major path for you if you're going to come to this university to play football. And that, that rubbed Nick the wrong way, and that's why he's in a UC Davis helmet. So to the extent that you know, it makes it tough to get some kids in who uh, you know, might not qualify from an academic standpoint, it also brings in a lot of smart kids who really love the Davis approach to athletics and student being a student athlete. Well, it seems like Hawk really uh, accentuates that too. I mean, when you watch Davis just schematically, what they do, especially offensively, I mean, there's so many different formations, there's so many different uh, elements of what they do. He's always going to run a trick play, it seems like. So it seems like he's taking advantage of, of the uh, the acumen of these guys, too, uh, putting a lot on their plates. But it seems like that's uh, kind of the, the style that they want to play. No question. I mean, they run a lot of formations and a lot of eye candy. So if you're trying to prepare for them defensively, it's going to be a long assignment because there's a lot of tape you're going to have to look through to try and get ready for all the schemes that they're going to throw at you. A lot of complicated defensive schemes as well. The players can handle it. So that's a lot of fun. Now, Dan is a coach. You never know what you're going to see on an individual game. You know, we've seen him go for it nine times on fourth down in the first three games, and then he kicked five field goals in the first half of the game against Weber State. So, you know, in terms of philosophy of of when he's deciding to go for it or not go for it in game situations and some of those things, like I think Hawk at times could be as unpredictable as he can be when you're talking to him and having a conversation, whether it's going to be about football or it's going to be about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Scott Marsh joining us. He's the play-by-play voice of the UC Davis Aggies. They make their way to Montana to take on Montana State in Bozeman. 8.15 p.m. kickoff on Saturday evening from Bobcat Stadium. And let's talk a little bit about Davis' season so far, Scott. I have watched uh, the game against South Dakota State and then the game against Weber State this last week. Two really hard-fought efforts by UC Davis. And uh, they're a, a total of seven points away from being uh, – on uh, a three and one team instead of a one and three team. So, what have you thought of this start so far? It seems like Davis a lot more talented than maybe what their record indicates at this exact moment. I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, from what I've seen from Davis, they're they're a top ten, top fifteen caliber program in the country. And obviously, you go to Cal, and you know they were up seven nothing. That game had a chance to make it a two score game. Uh, they ended up losing thirty four thirteen. The game was closer than that. Um, then you go to South Dakota State. You lose by not getting a two-point conversion to tie it up to send that game to overtime. Uh, the most frustrating of all certainly is Weber State. Um, UC Davis had more total yardage. They won the turnover battle three to nothing. Uh, every statistical category you look at, Davis won except on the scoreboard, which is the only stat that matters. So I know that to a player and to a coach, that's a game they feel like got away ended up losing 17 to 12 but this is a very good this is very deep it's a very talented team and as dan hawkins said before the year started um whether it's hyperbole or not that's for you to choose but he said this is the the best team in school history what do you think it is that had him saying that because i think uc davis is very good on the offensive line i think they have a great running back in alonzo gilliam and it looks like they have a lot of speed defensively and and some good talent especially in the secondary so i mean what are the factors though in your mind that, that has him so high on this team well, I think you pretty much ran them down right there. Um, you know, it starts with the Alonzo Gilliam. I mean, he is a legitimate Walter Payton candidate who just continues to get better and better. He's the all-time leading rusher in school history. He's the all-time all-purpose yardage leader in school history. He's in top 10 in receptions. He's a three-time team captain. So, I mean, you've got to start there uh, with the Alonzo Gilliam. You talk about the offensive line, and it's – um, big and experienced and deep and part of it they're suffering you know from some injuries Jake Parks is out for an indefinite period of time he was an all a second team all-american preseason uh, Connor Pettick 
got banged up in the game against Weber State. I don't know about his availability for this week at Montana State, but you know, there's a lot of depth, and I think that's the biggest thing that Coach Hawk sees. And then defensively, particularly in the linebacking position, they go two, three, four lines solid, very deep there. The corners are solid. So I think it's the overall accumulation of talent that really has Dan Hawkins saying that. Scott Marsh. Play-by-play man for UC Davis. It's our Across the Sidelines. It's presented by Vance Thompson Vision. Vance Thompson Vision helping UC across the sideline all football season long. I'll talk about this matchup then, uh, Scott, because I think that it's, uh, as somebody that's covered the Bobcats pretty intently and pretty intensely for the last 12 years, this team still remains a mystery to me. I thought last week was a good win at Eastern Washington, but it was their first real-like uh, opponent. They kind of played two teams they were supposed to just run roughshod over, and they did. And then they played Oregon State, and they got absolutely smacked. And uh, then all of a sudden, they got a, a close one against Eastern Washington, but I still don't know if we know much about Eastern as well uh, with all the turnover they've had on their roster as well. So uh, from your perspective, though, I mean, from, from Aggieland, what is the perspective on the Bobcats? How is UC Davis uh, gauging this opponent as they make their way to Bozeman? Oh, and you know the team much better than I do, the Bobcats, that is. But I'd have to push back a little bit because I watched that Eastern Washington game and I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with the Bobcats. I mean, Oregon State is a top 25 team in the country who almost beat USC. So I think you, you just throw that one out right away. But what was so impressive about Montana State, teams just don't go in and win on the Red Inferno very often. So first of all, they get a quality road win against a very good opponent always impressive but to do it with the injuries they see Tommy Malott go out of the game and to step up and have your reserve come in and rush for over 100 yards and your your fourth string on the running back right now with Elijah Elliott who rushes for over 100 yards and you just have people standing up so I, I think the depth of the team the quality of the coaching the belief that you're going to win in any circumstance i think that's what makes the bobcats stand out and to me i think that's what makes this a really intriguing matchup but i'm so glad it's a national tv broadcast because these are two very talented well coached very deep football teams well last thing for you then uh, what's the level of sense of urgency with uc davis that's the other reason i find hawkins fascinating right because he's one of the only co- coaches in the country that will tell you well you know, winning is is what it is, but we're here for a variety of different reasons, and that's only one of them. But it also seems like, you know, they're here to, to win football games and make another playoff chase and another potentially playoff run. So uh, what is the sense of urgency like with Davis coming to Bozeman with three losses on the docket already? Well, and of course, you know, Dan Hawkins talks about the process and not focusing in on the results. But I think every college coach in America says that, too. And I I know that Coach Hawkins believes that, and that's part of the Aggie way. But we got to talk reality. We're media people here. I mean, the sense of urgency is high for UC Davis. You can go and say, you know, all three losses against quality opponents, Montana State on the road, a loss against the Bobcats certainly is a quote-unquote quality loss if there is such a thing but the reality is if they don't win on Saturday night they're one in four and then the chances of making the FCS playoffs are I won't say non-existent because Davis could run the table but that's a very tough thing to do so I mean they would have to win at least six of the you know five of the six remaining games to have a shot at six and five it seems unlikely and of course UC Davis finishes with the Causeway Classic which Sacramento State and now the Hornets are maybe the best team in the country I mean right now uh, the Hornets are playing like they're a national championship contender so that won't be easy on the schedule so there is high urgency I mean I can't say it's a must must win scenario for the Aggies but it feels to me, uh, as close as it, as it is to a, to a must-win on Saturday night. Scott Barsh, 
play-by-playboys for the UC Davis Aggies and also doing a bunch of other fun stuff uh, in the Sacramento and Davis area. Joining us here on Nuanas Now. Scott, thanks for taking some time for us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for the insight. And uh, I'll be in Bozeman on, on Saturday, so I'll be sure to come say hi. Best of luck with everything and travel safe. Coulter, I'm looking forward to seeing you, my friend. Always great to be with you anytime. You know that. Happy now for the Montana State Minute for the first week of October. I know it's not actually October yet, but we always judge it by what game uh, or what day the game is on. October 1st is Saturday. There's a big-time showdown in Bozeman, Montana. Montana State coming off a thrilling 38-35 win over Eastern Washington uh, in Cheney. Second win in a row for Montana State. First time that has ever happened. We're joined now by Ty Okada. He's a senior defensive back and a captain for the Montana State Bobcats. And Ty, just one question about last week before we get into this upcoming matchup. That was an enormous win. We talked about it after Saturday. Uh, it, your fumble recovery was one of the key plays in the game. But how do you how do you channel it? I asked Coach Vegan the same thing. Obviously, you want to harness the momentum of last week, but you also want to focus on the present, not the past. So, uh, how do you do that? How do you express that to guys, maybe even some of the younger guys? Without a doubt, and to your point, it's definitely a balance, right? You want to carry that momentum over but this is a whole new week, right? And so you you try to take the things that you did well from the week prior leading up when it comes to preparation and bring that into that next week, but whole new team, whole new scheme. Uh, uh, Definitely just just restarting of the week where you you try to build upon last week, but you, you you just get ready and you prepare. You take the good things that you did last week in terms of preparation. You use that to help better prepare you for this upcoming week. When you broke down uh, last week, what did you like about the performance and what is there to clean up? Uh, Obviously, every week you're trying to get better. So what are the positives? What are some of the things you guys are working on this week? You know, without a doubt, uh, in terms of the defensive side of the ball, just eliminating explosives. And you could see when we were dialed on defense, we were dialed and we were making stops left and right, lots of three and outs in a row. And then we just, you know, here and there giving up chunk plays. So I think clean that up on the defensive side of the ball. And, and last week, I thought we did a great job of playing complimentary football. When, when, you know, we'd go out and get a stop, offense would go out and score. And so I think building upon that from last week would be huge in terms of uh, building as a team. And when it, I know this is going to be a tired narrative soon because we're already a month into the season and it's becoming this team and last year's team yeah, is just last year's team. But last last time I'll ask you about this, but what do you think of just the way that you guys have readjusted and how has it been for you personally? I know you were a, a leader last year, but sort of even having an elevated leadership role, how do you think that element's going? I think it's going well. I think we're seeing guys emerge as playmakers. And we're constantly changing, adapting, and growing as a team. But we've still got our identity of playing fast, physical, defensive football. And we're going to uh, continue to build on that on the defensive side of the ball. And then watching our offense just emerge this year, too, has been incredible. And just continuing to grow and playing complementary football, like I said last week, just growing and building upon that. Um, it, it's just It's been nice to see that development throughout this year. Ty Okada joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. This is our Montana State Minute. It's presented by JNV Restaurant Supply. JNV Restaurant is your home for everything kitchen. Bobcats got a night game and a home game on Saturday night. So if you need anything for your tailgate, go check out jvrestaurant.com. Uh, Ty, this is when college football is the, the most fun sport in the world. It is when you just get these primetime matchups. And I know UC Davis comes in with a record that maybe doesn't look like it's primetime, but they were a top 25 team in the preseason a uh, team that was in the playoffs a year ago. Uh, so what's the initial thoughts? And what have you thought of what you've seen on film from UC Davis? And what are you guys uh, thinking about this matchup on Saturday? 
I, I mean, that, to your point, you've already hit on it. They're, they're still an incredible team. Although their record might not show it, they've got playmakers on both sides of the ball, a ton of returners, uh, some great, great re- leadership with their head coach, and they're just a sound fundamental football team. So we're, we're preparing um, like any other game, right? And we're taking them as serious as ever. And uh, we're really excited for this matchup. I mean, to your point, this is what makes college football so great. And these are the types of games you want to play in primetime, ESPNU, kind of, you know, not Friday Night Lights, but Saturday Night Lights, right? And uh, it's just a a great matchup. A great team is coming in here to Bozeman. And as a team, we're just really excited to get after it. What's the biggest difference in terms of game day uh, when it is a night game? I mean, is it it the plan and the meals? How do do you go about getting ready to play at 8 o'clock at night? Yeah, no, it's definitely different. Luckily, we've had a lot of practice with that so far this year. I mean, for it, for the short season that we've had. So we've had two going on our third night game already in four or five games. So uh, it, it's definitely a little bit of a different approach, right? The, the meals are a little bit challenging, uh, but, but mostly just making sure guys aren't, you know, guys aren't too serious and wired at the beginning of the day because you still got – you don't want to expend all that energy, right? There's still a lot of day to be had. And, and so just guys being in the right headspace, um, even keel, getting getting some extra walkthroughs in are always great. And, and just kind of having that healthy balance of you're, you're still prepping and ready to play a game, but you're not crazy wired, right? Because you got the whole day up until you play that game. So it's definitely, to your point, it's, it's a different approach. Ty Okada joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. And Ty, last week UC Davis threw the ball almost 60 times, but the headliner of their offense is their running back, Alonzo Gilliam. He's the preseason offensive player of the year in the Big Sky Conference, a guy who's been a starter there at Davis for four seasons now and one of the best running backs in the league. And with the, some of the guys that have been out, he's kind of like the last man standing. So uh, what, have you, what do you think of him? What is the challenge like when you go up against a running back of his stature? Yeah, definitely. Phenomenal player, to your point. Uh, definitely got to bring your pads. You know, he's – in terms of stature, he's smaller, but he, he doesn't run like he's small. You know, he's very shifty. He runs very hard. Uh, very great running back. So just, just making sure you get your pads on him early and often. And containing him will be a big part of uh, having success as a defense come Saturday for us. And, uh, you know, luckily we've been training against the best running back in Isaiah Fonse for, you know, the last several years, at least for myself. So that's prepared us well for this matchup, definitely. Certainly, some parallels there too. They are uh, they're a little bit similar uh, as players. So very fun to see just the crop of running backs that have been uh, in the Big Sky here these last couple of years. Pretty impressive to have all these uh, four year starters. What what else do you see out of UC Davis's offense? It seemed like uh, last week Weber State had a pretty defined game plan: keep everything in front of them, you know, make the quarterback dink and dunk, nothing over the top, and then when it's in the open field, tackle well. Uh, is that the formula, or what have you seen out of UC Davis in terms of what they want to do uh, offensively? Yeah, I think that's a really great approach. They're going to send a lot of different things, and they're going to come out. They're just they're a good offense, well-coached team. So we just got to stay disciplined. Um, everyone doing their 111th is just going to be the main recipe for our success this weekend. Taukata, senior defensive back for the Montana State Bobcats here on the Montana State Minute. And, uh, Ty, last question for you then. Uh, what do you guys think about this game in general? Because this is one of those games where, you know, every game is a big game in college football. There's no doubt about it. But this is one where you guys can carry that momentum and continue to build into October. So what are the keys for the Bobcats Saturday night? Yeah, definitely. Um, harnessing that, bringing that energy to your point, it's a, it's a huge game, right? And so, so guys acknowledging that throughout this week and preparing as such, 
And then when it comes game time, just everyone being able to harness that energy and still be able to be focused and do their 111th is going to be the key. You know, everyone doing their jobs, being in the right spot. We've got the playmakers. Our coaches are going to give us the opportunity to have success, and we just got to go out and do our job. Daokata here on the Montese Minute. Ty, appreciate it, man, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon, but thanks for the time, and uh, we'll see you in Bozeman Saturday night. Best of luck. Appreciate you, Coulter. Thanks. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. It's time for our Grizz Star of the Week. It's presented by Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors. Bob Ward's a staple in the sporting goods industry in this community and around the state of Montana. They also have an in-stadium store there at Washington Grizzly Stadium, so swing by uh, Bob Ward's next time the Grizz are in town. They are in town next on October 15th. Uh, we go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line now. Welcome in. Robbie Houck. He's the Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Week. Recently now named as the all-time leading tackler in the history of the University of Montana. And uh, scored a touchdown to boot. Robbie, thanks for joining us, my man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, first and foremost, uh, just take us through the touchdown. Because, uh, first of all, when was the last time you scored a touchdown? God, you know, it's funny. Everybody's been asking me that. I can't even remember. I would assume uh, my senior year of high school at some point, so that seems like 10 years ago. Yeah, well, with all the COVID years and the reschedulings and everything, it might have actually been 10 years ago. But uh, when, yeah. the, when the ball's flying through the air, uh, what do you think? Because you obviously, you guys obviously knew that you'd have at least an opportunity when, when Portland State lines up for a 54-yard field goal to maybe return that thing. It looked like you had a little bit of a blocking scheme in front of you too, but when the ball's flying through the air, what's going through your head? Well, first, I was surprised he didn't get it all the way to the back of the end zone. That's where I originally lined up. And, uh, you know, we practice that play every Friday um, each week of practicing. We've never called it. But, uh, you know, I had to run up and uh, make a catch on it, and I, I, I dropped it, which I'm kind of bummed about. But uh, I was still able to advance it. And, um, you know, the, everybody on defense blocked their tails off and made it easy for me. Such a thrill, but also such a huge momentum boost going into the locker room. Just tell me about that element of this Grizz team. I mean, that's always been a trademark of Bobby Houck's teams is trying to harness that momentum, and then once you get it, put the throttle down and just uh, run away from the other team. You guys are doing that at such a high level right now, though, shifting the momentum, then harnessing it and riding it. Uh, How were you guys able to do that on Saturday? Because Portland State came in with a plan. They pulled everything out of the bag. All of a sudden, it's 17-14. looks like a competitive homecoming game in Missoula. And uh, then you blink your eyes, and it's 39-14 at halftime. So what is it about this team that can harness that momentum and carry it like you guys have been able to do so well? Well, I I definitely think it's the way we prepare, you know. I mean, like you said, Portland State came in here. They're ready to go. They play hard. They don't quit. Coach Barney. Um, gets them ready to go each week, and uh, it's always tough when we play them. But, uh, you know, just, just how we train and how we practice. You know, like like you said, the scores on special teams are huge, and those uh, those are big body, body blows to teams. And, um, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we work hard at that stuff during the week. And, um, you know, when we're, when we're able to score on special teams and, um, you know, cause turnovers on defense, it's, uh, it's a big-time advantage for us. Robbie Houck joining us. He's our Grizz Star of the Week. It's presented by Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors. 
Robbie was the Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Week uh, this last week. And one thing that's interesting, Robbie, that you know, as I've gotten older, I always try to remind myself, think about what you're doing right now in your life and then think about what you, when you were like eight years old or 10 years old, would think of what you're doing right now. And that's what I always think about when I think about having a radio show in my hometown in Missoula and broadcasting the great people of the state of Montana. But it's probably pretty similar for you. I mean, a guy that was a little kid when your dad was first coaching uh, the University of Montana. So when you think about it, what do you think eight-year-old Robbie Houck would think of being the all-time leading tackler in the history of the University of Montana? Oh, well, it's a dream come true. I don't even think it would have been possible, you know. I mean, it's it's uh it's it's amazing to think about and reflect on and uh um, you know, I'm I'm proud and uh you know, I'm 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 very blessed and fortunate to be a part of such a great program and uh yeah, it's been the best years of my life and uh it might be the best years of my life uh you know, as time goes on. Well, I think you got a lot of great stuff ahead of you, but certainly enjoy this while it lasts because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Just talk about that part of the team, though, because you guys seem to really be embracing this opportunity. It's taking a lot of hard work, a lot of enduring, a lot of adversity, particularly with you know the canceled 2020 season and all that stuff. So what has been the factors that have brought this team together? It seems like you guys are such a cohesive group, such a huge part of your success. How have you guys gotten to this point? Well, I just say, you know, through our training, the amount of like you said, through COVID and uh, all the years that we've we've been together, even even some of the guys that haven't been here for very long feel like they've been here forever. And I think it's just because of uh, you know us working together. Um, we're close. We all do stuff together. Um, you know, in the off season and in our free time. Um, and then uh, you know, I don't know. It's just you know, it's a, it's a really it's a really tight team. There's just something about it, and uh, everybody's competitive, and uh, you know, wants to win each week and I think that's that's a, that's a signs of a special team so I, uh, I I'm just very proud of everybody and I'm uh, I'm very blessed to be a part of it well I know that uh, coach Elk and uh, the defensive staff particularly is never going to let you guys rest on your laurels there's no uh, complacency allowed in this Grizz program and so rather than asking you what I think you guys are doing well defensively because I know you're just going to tell me you got a lot of stuff to work on what do you got to work on? What are the points of emphasis uh, as you continue to try to operate at a higher level as a unit? Well, uh, shoot, I guess I'll give you a specific example. I mean, everybody saw some of those uh, those gimmicky trick plays that Portland State hit us on a few times. I mean, that all has to do with your eyes and playing your fundamentals. So um, that's something that we have to continue to work on is just trusting yourself and trusting your other teammates that are out there. Um, and then just day one stuff, you know. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, our, our scheme and everything that we're doing there, but also just, uh, you know, the uh, technical skills on, you know, tackling and, you know, getting off blocks or, you know, blitz angles, things like that. So, Robbie Houck joining us here on Nuance Now, ESPN Radio, our Grizz Star of the Week, presented by Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors. Uh, how about this upcoming matchup then, a trip to Pocatello? Uh, it's been a minute since you guys have been to Pocatello. Have you guys been to Pocatello since, uh, since Bobby Houck's return to Montana? No, we haven't. This is the uh, the final place in the Big Sky that I haven't played, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I do remember, you know, the la- I mean, it's always been a battle going to Pocatello for the Grizz. Um, you know, I do remember. I actually, the last time uh, my dad, Coach Halk, was coaching coaching here, I think it was 2008 or 2009, um, trip to Pocatello. I was on that on that trip, and, um, you know, we had to drive. We, we, we screwed a lot of things up early, and um, we had to drive down and hit a game-winning field goal at the end of the game to – to beat them so it's uh, everybody's locked in and well aware of that and uh 
it's going to be a good game on Saturday. Yeah, I remember that one vividly. I think it was 2008, and it, uh, it was 12 to 10. Yeah. The Grizz went down there and uh, and pulled one out, but uh, that was part of a undefeated run all the way to the national championship for that uh, Grizz team. In terms of Idaho State, when it comes to the, the scout this week, uh, they're down to uh, their third quarterback. I know that they like the young man that's playing quarterback, but he's a youngster, uh, ha- doesn't have a lot of college experience. But does that make it hard to prepare uh, when you do have a first-year head coach, first-year coordinator, and now a guy you don't have a lot of film on uh, operating at the offense? Yeah, certainly, you know. But luckily for us, we're playing them in um, week five, so uh, we, we do have a little bit of a scouting report on them. But, uh, you know, and the, it helps us too. The other thing is uh, we've got some coaches that have been on that uh, – you know, been over there at Idaho State recently, so they know a little bit of their personnel. And um, th- this quarterback, he does a nice job. We, uh, you know, he's he's not like a new guy. He's he's started some games for him and has played um, played a little bit this year for him. And he he's got a nice arm and he does a nice job. So um, we certainly have our hands full with him. And um, you know, we're just we're just preparing preparing like we do each week and um, getting ready to go. Well, last thing for you then, uh, just keys for the Grizzlies uh, if they're going to get on uh, the road and uh, get your first road victory of Big Sky Conference play. Uh, I'd say we got to start fast and we got to win the turnover battle. Easy enough and. Uh, Fittingly, that's exactly what your father said when I talked to him earlier today. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Robbie Houck joining us here uh, on Duana's Dower, good start of the week. Robbie, uh, congratulations again on the uh, the all-time record and uh, your weekly award, and uh, go get them on Saturday. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Colter. Appreciate it. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist.